Digest. This is Matt, and on this episode, our double feature is going to be a pair of classic horror flicks. Tagline is, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. We're going to be talking Saw and the Canadian horror cult classic, Cube. It's going to be a fun one. Before we get into the reviews, let me go ahead and introduce my co-host, Paris. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Hey, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. You're about to do <laughs> that, that, uh, really cool. <laughs> that Red Hot Chili Pepper song. You know which one I'm talking about? No. Travis, are you are you a, uh, a pep head? Blanking. Nope. <laughs> uh I was uh, more going for a Ricola vibe. Hey, oh, listen what I say. Oh, <laughs> I got your hey, oh. Oh, I do know that one. <laughs> the, the guitar was like, dan, 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 dan. that could be any song of theirs, though. Let's be honest. They all yeah, basically right. are the same. <laughs> That's uh, off of the classic rock album, Californication. Um,. Anyway, what the fuck? Oh, Travis, what's up? Welcome dude? back to our Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. <laughs> oh, I <Hello>. wish. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, what's up, dude? I'm here. I'm doing well. Good. Ready good. To talk some uh, one location horror films. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. Excited to get into it. Uh, any business to attend to before we dive right in? Anything you two want to mention? No. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, let's fucking do this thing. So the first movie we're going to be discussing in our double feature is Saw, a little known uh, indie flick. Uh, came out in the year 2004. Uh, plot synopsis. Two strangers awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there and soon discover... They're pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. Directed by James Wan. Might know that guy. Written by Lee Whannell. You might know that guy. Might know that guy. And uh, James Wan. The aforementioned. Uh, Film stars. Carrie. How do you pronounce this guy's last name? Princess Bride I think it's Elwit. Elwit. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) Every time I try and say it. It just sounds Elwes? wrong. Elwes? Elwes? Yeah. Elwes? It's British. Okay. Travis? Well, him. You know? um, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Carrie E. <laughs> Elwe? So I didn't realize this until this moment, literally, looking at the cast list. Uh, Lee Winnell is the other guy in the room with You Carrie didn't know that? El- Elwes. No, I didn't know that was him. Yeah, you can tell because he's probably the worst actor in it. Which is saying something, <laughs> but we will kinda, yeah. we will circle back to that little detail. Um, film also stars Danny Glover, 
Ken Leung, and uh, neat little appearance by uh, Michael Emerson, who would you would know as a. Uh, uh, that one guy from Lost. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Says Ben. Ben, yes. Ben. Um. Evil so ben. saw, like I said, little known uh, indie classic. Uh, it only spawned like thirty-five sequels. Um, it's a worldwide sensation. But we went back to the original. Paris, these were your picks. Want to provide any insight into uh, what went into? Choosing these two, other than the fact that there's uh, Saw 36 happens to be uh, out now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was my main uh, thought. I've been wanting to do Saw for a while, and it felt like the perfect time to do it since Spiral, the book of Saw, which I believe is the 10th. It's either 9th or 10th. I'm pretty sure it's the 10th movie. Um, although, from what I've heard, apparently that is either tied for best or second best in the Saw franchise. Can you what? guys guess what the other one is? Besides, it's the first this one? one. It's it's saw. It's it's saw. No. It's the one we watched. <laughs> the other, the, every single other one, it's trash. Well, no, that's not true. I think there could be a case to be made that Saw Two is the best Saw film, but we'll save it for uh, the premium edition where we do uh, <laughs> Saw Two and Cube Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you follow us on Patreon, you can get our special sequel podcast where we only do sequels of movies that we've already talked about. Oh, yeah. It's going to be huge. You can get in on the action. <laughs> Entry-level tiers start at $99 a month, so just great deal. But go you can pay as much as you want. Go as to. much as you want for that top quality yes. content. Yes, of course. So uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash cometown. Uh, go ahead and give us a follow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, We're not giving those fuckers any free publicity. Fuck Comtown. Um, Saw. Let's talk about it, guys. Uh, any volunteers for who wants to go first? Fine, I'll go first. So Saw <laughs> is... Uh, how do we describe this? Kind of kicked off the mid-2000s, what we would call torture porn wave. Mm. Um, I don't know if this movie, at least the first one, I don't know if you would necessarily classify it as torture porn. Honestly, it kind of feels pretty tame in comparison to the movies that came after. Because I think Mm -hmm. I've maybe seen Saw twice and a very long time ago like around the time that they came out like i was very much into the saw series as they were coming out stop caring around saw six i think wow. uh, <laughs> just kind of really started losing steam but um definitely my first reaction on this rewatch definitely uh felt a little tame at least compared to my memory um I mean, granted, this is coming off the heels of Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox for us. Yeah, so. everything's going to be tame from right. here on out. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it. But, um, you know, uh, Saw is a movie that I would maybe compare to The Sixth Sense. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the enjoyment factor hinges on not knowing the specifics of the story. You know what I mean? Like, this movie was kind of mind-blowing at the time it came out, and it's very cleverly constructed. So when you kind of know how it's going to end the whole time, the traps themselves are neat, I guess. Like, I definitely enjoyed myself on this rewatch, but 
I don't know. A little underwhelmed uh, is where I'll I'll start things. Uh, yeah, I can take over from there. I felt similar on this rewatch. Uh, before this rewatch, Saw was a certified banger, five star movie. Uh, Whoa! But I hadn't seen it in at yeah. least ten years or so. But when this came out, I thought it was amazing. Uh, it was like right in my wheelhouse for young Travis and, uh, the ending just like blew me away and it just, it just felt like, you know, something special at the time. But, uh, over time it has felt less and less special, (laughs) (laughs) uh, especially with each subsequent sequel. And like you, Matt, I think I gave up around Saw 6 as well. I didn't see the final chapter jigsaw or the new spiral and to be honest i haven't really gone back to this franchise since the sixth one came out which was what 2010 so it's been it's i'm at least Mm -hmm. 10 years removed from this franchise um but yeah speaking about saw the first one specifically i still like it um i like the whole premise of it and it's a cool like jumping off point for a new franchise. It's pretty hard to get a new franchise like this off the ground. Uh, there haven't been too many as successful as this one in my time. Um, but yeah, this rewatch, I, I guess I didn't really rem- remember or realize how much of the movie takes place outside of the room. Okay, <laughs> we need to talk about that. I... In my memory, the whole movie is inside the room. <laughs> yeah. What happened there? <laughs> I, I mean, mean that's, those are the memorable. The inside parts. the room is the best stuff. Yeah, I totally. mean that's, that's that's why the meat of the movie. But like, but like, not. I wouldn't even say a quarter of it is inside the room. It's probably right around, like somewhere between a quarter and a third. I mean, there are long stretches that take place in the room that they're trapped in, but. Yeah. Then it, I guess you know. just comparing it to thinking the whole movie was in right. there, it was like, why are we not back in the room? Because everything outside of it felt, I shouldn't say everything. There were a few moments outside of it that I enjoyed. Everything else felt like, I don't care. It I was tacked on to uh, yeah. get to a specific runtime. <laughs> yes. Maybe and not I tacked almost... on, but just like bloated. Like there was too much of it. Yeah, and I almost, in my mind, I had thought of this kind of like it could be a one-room play, you know, like that kind of vibe, where you get all the backstory, but it's only through these two characters talking. Like, that's how I remembered it. And honestly, I'm, I'm feeling similar to you to y'all is I remember this being a banger. I remember being blown away. What a twist. Even now, like I remembered part of the twist but didn't remember all of it and it just it was just lacking the i mean i don't know how much we want to get into it quite yet but the acting is bad Mm -hmm. it is like people who are good actors are just i mean did they just get their lines that day is this a first read like what are we doing here and i guess something that i kind of made sense to me is i guess this was originally supposed to be a straight to video movie 
Um, but it got such good reception with test audiences that they then released it in theaters, which was obviously the the right move, right? It, you know, you know, made over a hundred million dollars worldwide off of like nothing budget, like spawned 10 films over almost 20 years. Like clearly that was the right move, but it really does feel like like what are we all doing here like did you guys just show up to the table read and they were like nah we'll just get you in we'll just get you in, in costume we're good right we don't need to shoot this more than once it's uh was definitely rough so there are this era of film in particular in many instances hasn't aged super gracefully right i mean we've reviewed on this show a couple films from this era and the mid 2000s were have not been kind to films. I would compare it to like, uh, like I don't know, like N sixty four video games, where it's like, yeah, when that was the thing, N sixty four was the best. Those games were sick. And then you go back and play them now, and it's like, looks like shit, plays like shit, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of nostalgia. You know what I mean? So, oh yeah, saw yeah. The there's acting. a lot of nostalgia involved for sure. For sure. And, you know, it, it was important in the sense that it was kind of a cultural phenomenon, a big moneymaker. Everyone went and saw Saw. That was like, I don't know about you guys, but that was like a Halloween tradition with me and my friends for at least the first couple Saw movies. Every Halloween, go out and you go see the new Saw movie. It was like a, a big deal mm. until it's kind of started to outwear its welcome. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a tradition for me, but I definitely saw all of the Saw movies in theater, I think from from two to six. I don't think I saw really? the first one in theater, but I watched it at home and blew my mind. I was too young. How were you guys able to see this in theaters? Weren't they rated R? Yeah. Um, well, do we want to do the math? Let's see here. I mean, I was 12. Because you only had to be, the first you had to be 16, out. right? Or 17. 17. So 17 without uh, like a guardian or whatever. And that person had to be 21 or older. Mm-hmm. So I was 17. Some of us have worked at movie theaters. <laughs> I was 17 when Saw 2 came out, most likely. So I didn't have that problem. Oh. I'm just an old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Oh, sorry, bud. <laughs> didn't do anything cool was just old enough to go see it <laughs> i thought it was gonna be like yeah i snuck in with some older kids we were gonna we bought you know tickets to go see some lame kids movie that was not as cool mm. of a story so nope <laughs> uh in my case it was just like having friends who have dads who don't give a fuck that would just take us to go see saw I don't know if I saw Saw 2 in a oh, theater. Yeah. I think I did. But definitely 3 and 4, I'm pretty sure. I saw both of those in a theater. Um, hmm. So, you know, a lot, a lot of reverence for the, the franchise. But back to Saw 1 specifically. Um, right. <laughs> it also... I don't know. It's... it's the, like I didn't know that it was originally going to be like a direct-to-video type of movie but that definitely makes sense because maybe it's just because i'm so far removed from this franchise but i had forgotten how mm. like corny 
the visuals are in this movie. Like the scene I'm thinking of in particular is the scene. The with car a, chase. No, not the car chase. Oh. When uh, We need to talk about that later. Then. <laughs> Amanda, when she she has her head the head thing on and the camera and it's all like, sped up yeah it like spins around <laughs> and jerky and it's like metal music and jerky and it's just so it's stupid. so it's so early 2000s it's yes. like those uh it reminds me of those would you steal a car um commercials uh that would air before movies for like the fbi do you guys remember those so it was like anti-pirating Right, like, what if would you steal a car? It, and just why would you steal a very, movie or something? That yeah, which yeah. is dumb. But <laughs> it was it was very early two thousands, like the new metal, the weird jerky sped up movements, the green tint to everything, the crazy angles, and like camera clearly just like flashing back and forth. It just felt so like if I could put a pin on like that era, that would be it. You could totally take those scenes out of context and like put a Slipknot song over it and it would just seem like a Slipknot music video. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. The aesthetic, the, the just, it's just aggro and in your face and I don't know. That kind but of in like a cheesy way. way. Totally. In, like not in a cool way. <laughs> right. It's not like super metal and like rad. It, it was yeah. silly. It's new metal. It's very goofy. new metal. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, well, also, uh, in addition to that, these guys, James Wan and, uh, Lee Winnell, they were just hot, uh, hot out of film school and, uh, needed to come up with an idea to make a movie. And this is what they came up with. I feel like it shows because there's some interesting things that they do, but it feels kind of like that very film school vibe where you're like, I'm going to try all of the things, throw everything at the wall and just see what sticks. Like... Yeah, well, and the one-room location for a lot of it also yeah. plays into it being a f- like a first-time or early feature, mm-hmm. just like uh, the next movie we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, so one thing I do want to <laughs> one thing I do want to touch on is that conceptually, I think it, this movie is really cool. Like the fact that Jigsaw, his whole thing is that he doesn't actually kill anybody. And very creative in this movie. Well, so here's the the point I'm getting at is that in I'm not this joking. Movie, I think it's creative. Oh, I thought you were making fun of me. <laughs> it's a it's a cool idea, right? But what happens with the later Saw movies is that the reason people flock to these movies and me too. The reason I flocked to these movies was for the gore and the crazy kills and the contraptions, right? So the further you get from that original idea of here's a guy who's like kidnapping these, you know, whether they're bad people Mm -hmm. or trying to teach them a lesson one, they in every case, at least in this movie do have a chance to escape and survive. Only one does. Mm. Right. But does people the person do who does the person yeah. who's trapped in the room with all the sharp metal or like the barbed wire or whatever, does that person have a chance to survive? That one felt a little yeah. unfair. Well, to yeah, me. I was, totally. I was gonna say that he does make it pretty difficult for some people to uh, escape. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying that they can't get yeah. out of it. You know, but what happens in the Especially later movies? Get out of it unscathed. I mean, that's 
Well, right. Sure. Like, like our gal who was in the reverse bear trap. Yes, she had to physically do a murder, but she was able to walk over <laughs> to that person. Essentially, she didn't have to crawl through barbed wire to do the murder, right? right? So I guess maybe it's mentally versus physically taxing, but I'm like, this doesn't feel the same. Well, so maybe unscathed <laughs> is the wrong choice of words to survive the trap, right? And yes. the, the, the stories behind the traps, you know, like the recording where Jigsaw is like explaining, mm -hmm. there's usually some sort of like kind of metaphorical element to the trap. As the movies progress, they clearly run out of ideas. So it just gets more and more far-fetched. Right. And the traps get more and more sadistic. And you reach the point where it's no longer about, like, teaching these people a lesson or any kind of, like, moral um, gray area. It just becomes watching people get murdered, right? So I think that's part of what makes this movie so effective is that, one, it feels fresh. And two, like the the traps are well thought out, and they don't come across as just sadistic. Yeah, they're fucked up, but like even the barbed wire guy, like if he didn't just like run through all aggro and like rip his belly open, he might have, you know, if he had taken his time, pushed the barbed wire, you know, tried to go around, like he just fucking crawled through there and got his guts ripped open. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he deserved to die. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, if you're going to take that approach, I mean, fucking that was I'm asking right. for it. bit of a leap. I would like to go on public record that I am not of I am not agreeing with that statement. I will say though, of the Saw movies, cuz similar to y'all, I don't I didn't see them any of them in theaters. I was too young. But I did watch pretty much all of them, but it was always like at someone's house. And so I I think really one, two, maybe three were the only ones where I like, like one and two are the only ones I remember. And I barely remember two. Like it's been a lot, at least 10 years since I watched any of them. But I will say the coolest kill that I remember is not from this movie. And I had forgotten that it wasn't this movie. But it's actually in two when Amanda falls into the, the, needle, the pit. needle pit. Yep. That was the best. I mean, it's not a kill either. But, like, that was the actual best game or whatever you want to call them. Because it's so visceral and made me want to pee my pants. Yeah. I think... For many people, that is the most memorable sequence in any of the Saw movies. And I agree. that That's my favorite in the whole franchise is the, the needle pit scene from 2. Um, which, you know, the movies as they progress become more and more about the kills and the traps. Right. The ones in this movie aren't necessarily very memorable, right? I mean, reverse bear trap, like... I don't yeah. know. It's not that not that memorable. The barbed wire thing. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I feel like we're forgetting one, right? Wasn't there another, like, during the backflash sequences? Backflash. Um, there's the, flashback. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't going to say anything, but there is the one where a man has to saw off his own leg and crawl out of the room. There's that one. Um, well, right. But but that's yeah. Those are our heroes. I, I mean, like making the... a joke. I was thinking because <laughs> you're like, are there any more of those in the movie? I don't remember. No, but I, there isn't there another one though. Like when they're doing those sequences where they're like fleshing out the the jigsaw story, and it's like the the Danny Glover stuff where um, he's like following. There's the one where Danny Glover and his partner 
um, uncover the person in the seat that has knives or something pointed at his head, pencils, something sharp. He's like in it. He's strapped in like a dentist chair. Right. Like that one had, he, he hadn't something... like set it up yet. Like Jigsaw. Well, he like... did, but like he, well, it was in his like workshop, but the person had woken up. Right. 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 You know? And then, and then of course there's the booby trap where the, you know, his partner, you know, all the, the guns shoot down at him. And then he goes, I'm getting too old for this shit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean that's that's basically it as far as the traps. So I think most of the enjoyment in this first one comes from the one room setting, right? Like there's something to the um the mystery of like them troubleshooting they like you know are testing different things they break the glass and they realize that they're being watched and like that element of suspense mm. i definitely think is the movie's strong suit like when it's in that room with those two horrible horrible actors it's at its best right well one of them is a good actor right. doing a horrible job can i i want to be clear I want to Carrie be clear e he is, is a good actor not a good actor he was just in Whoa. a good movie Princess Bride, Whoa. he's great Get him, Matt. in that movie. <laughs> he's a bad actor, though. Can you even name another Carrie? To be Elway fair, movie? no, that's what I was just about to say. To be fair, <laughs> I'm literally only referencing Princess Bride. But, like, what else is he? We, we don't need to get uh, into it. Lightning in a bottle for him. Oh, God, sorry. I think it just burped without muting. Um, you think? I did want to ask you guys. <laughs> well, I definitely burped without muting. I'm not sure if, the, if it's caught the sound or not. <laughs> um sorry sorry to everyone um i wanted to ask you guys actually about do you so i seemed to remember that when i had first been watching it and the movie kind of sets it up to make it seem like carrie e is the murderer is the person who set that up and he's the one that's watching his own game like the movie it uses it as a very obvious red herring but a red herring nonetheless. I was curious, do you guys remember that from like a first watch or reason about that at all when you watched it this time? It was so long ago, I wouldn't be able to to recall like what I had thought or wasn't mm. sure was going to happen with the mystery, you know? I mean, I don't think the movie is playful in that regard in that you know, there's these there's suggestions that maybe he has something to do with it and that he'll come back with a logical explanation or an alibi. But there's that. I thought that the whole doubt. time I thought the whole time like he did it. Right. And I think that's that's part of what makes the twist so effective is that you I mean, until the very end, you never really know what's going on. Right. They're fleshing out the jigsaw right. stuff. But. It all comes oh, yeah. together in that final, you know. The music has whatever. to kick in for you to figure out what's going on. That killer sounds like a fucking Clint Mansell <laughs> okay. score or something. Okay. Can we talk about <laughs> oh, this? Oh, here we the go. Score. The plot of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the score for this movie is fantastic. Oh, Definitely yeah. the most uh, memorable uh, horror, uh, what do we call it, theme? I guess of of any movie from um, oh yeah that theme, Chef's theme. Kiss. I mean, there's a lot of um, 
iconic stuff from this movie or this franchise, like the the puppet is a uh, great icon. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Billy the puppet. Does he get that name in this movie? <laughs> when does he mm. coin the name Billy? <laughs> its name is. It's got to be. It's got to uh, be in the later movies because I know to that Google, as well. It's called Billy the Puppet. I feel like they call it Billy in like three and on maybe when they get more into like the jigsaw um, uh, ethos or whatever you want to call it. I think so Um, too. Did you guys remember the pig mask thing in this? Because I had a hundred percent. I had only focused on little Billy puppet and I had forgotten about that spooky ass pig mask and red robe. Like that was way scarier than that little puppet. The 10th member of Slipknot. Yep, see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was this just a long Slipknot video? <laughs> oh, man. Bro, there was probably some tie-in, some music video tie-in. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I, the Pigmas stuff definitely stuck out in my memory. Like, I remember that that uh, imagery. Um, the robes, killer stuff. Um, I, I also had remembered that... Uh, uh, homeboy from Lost, that he was somehow uh, in on it, you know. I oh mean, he yeah, ends up being I the mean, apprentice, but he's so obvious. It's the first time watching it, I didn't catch it, but like it's so obvious when you look back. He's like very creepy and just like, "Hey, Kimmy, it's me. I'm here and I'm being creepy." Ha ha! Like, come on, you guys. <laughs> well, so it's it's kind of hard, to and say, that's where right? I think this. Oh. Well, so I was just going to say, I think that that's where this movie falls flat. Like you were saying earlier is like when you don't know the twist, it feels like a masterpiece. Once you do, it all really feels kind of obvious and silly. Mm -hmm. Well, so Mm -hmm. that actually ties perfectly into what I was about to say. So that that scene, that hospital scene doesn't really work. One on a rewatch two a modern rewatch because. One, this is the guy from Lost. At the time the movie was released, like he wasn't yet the guy from Lost, right? So right. he sticks out more just by virtue of that. So maybe that could be a factor. Like, yeah, he is weird, but also you're like, oh, what the fuck? It's the guy from Lost, right? But also we know who Jigsaw is and we see him on that hospital bed and we know that's Jigsaw, right? Right. So that's another reason why that scene at least on the rewatch comes across as like super obvious and corny, but I kind of have a feeling that probably was not the case on a first viewing, you know, with those two pieces of information, like fucking lost guy. And we know who jigsaw is, right? Does that make sense? Like on a first viewing, if you didn't have that information, it it comes across right because it comes across as super obvious and corny on a rewatch for those two reasons. But on a first watch, especially back in the day, like, I don't know if I would oh, have yeah. had the same reaction to that scene. No, you know? no. And that's why I, I was I was sort of because it had been so long since I've watched this, even rewatched it. I was kind of like I knew the twist, but I was still kind of watching it through fresh eyes. And I was like thinking the exact same thing that if you had seen this like in theaters or right around when it came out or even after not knowing the twist, that scene would have been like, oh, this creepy guy. And then you wouldn't have thought about it at all until Guy from Lost shows up again in the movie. Like it would have been like, oh my God. Like it would have been a great sub twist. Like, and that's kind of what I was, yeah. And 
that's kind of the both the strength and flaw of this movie. It really gets you. It's kind of like any M. Night Shyamalan movie, good or bad. Once you've seen it once, it sort of depreciates in value, like diminishing returns a bit. Totally. And you also have the factor of, like, Tra- Travis is the one who brought this up, I think. These are two, at the time, super young basically fresh out of film school filmmakers Mm. right so very clearly they had this awesome idea whatever the central idea was serial killer who doesn't actually kill people uh, you know whatever the spark was and then these two young dudes fresh out of film school had to actually make the movie right so it's like the dialogue Mm. is really bad it looks you know it's not well Dialogue filmed, is so bad. You know, all of that stuff. But the central premise is undeniably cool. And that's why the film was such a success. And both of these guys have gone on to have incredibly lucrative and, you know, interesting careers. Both of them have gone on to do awesome things in their, hmm. you know, respective genres. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, a lightning in a bottle kind of thing. Yeah, although I do feel like it did take uh, Lee Winnell a little bit longer to uh, get his footing once he was cut from the uh, Saw franchise. But he's uh, killing it lately with Upgrade and Invisible Man. He's definitely a um, director to be um, on the look for, especially in the uh, genre space. Oh, come I on. saw you... he did Invisible Man. I was surprised. Were you? What I think from a, a, a script perspective, like I think it makes sense. Um, like that's I really haven't tight... seen it yet. Oh, pfft. you're just surprised to see that that he he was behind that. Well, because my because my understanding is that Invisible Man is really good, and mm-hmm. my only experience with him is Saw and the Saw movie. So I was like, you know, a little surprised that he was able to make something essentially in a very similar, if not the same, subgenre. Well, at least the same, you know, in horror, and it actually was really good, right? Mm-hmm. He uh, figured his shit out. Took him a little bit longer than some, but uh, I think he's finally got it. Grew into his talent. Well, oh, is this his next movie, Escape from New York? A little remake? Huh? Are they remaking uh, Escape from New York? I think so. I just saw it on. Okay, his, uh, I haven't. Page. Totally off topic. I haven't seen Escape from LA, but I have seen Escape from New York. Same. I loved it in a very weird way. I loved it. Oh, Escape from New York is rad. Kurt Kurt showed it to me, and then he was like, Escape from LA is way better. And I was like, no, I love this. What? <laughs> I didn't know that, yeah. that was an opinion. Take. Yeah, I didn't know anyone <laughs> had that opinion. Is oh, it? Yeah. I mean, I thought the internet said... Yeah, Escape from LA is better. No, I'm pretty sure. I thought Escape it was from... like a Mad Max thing where they're like, you don't need to watch the first one. No, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Escape really? from LA. Most people think that's a bad movie. Whoa, it's way goofier and like. Um... Oh my god! <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I think we were watching Escape from New York, and he was like, "It's gonna be like a campy movie," and then it it was a little bit. But not quite, and I think that's maybe more worries. Yeah. I'm trying to defend Kurt. I feel bad now. I'm throwing him to the wolves, but um, Kurt, I'm sorry. Uh. Well, so 
just to circle back to uh, um, Lee Winnell real quick. Um, he, I mean, he he was James Wan's like partner. I mean, he co-wrote. He did the screenplay for Dead Silence. He did the he he wrote Saw Two and Saw Three. He did the Insidious movies. So once the James Wan, you know, once James Wan moved on to fucking Aquaman or whatever, like that's when Lee Winnell, you know, branched off on his own. And now he's since done Upgrade and Invisible Man. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if it was, it was fair to say it took him a while to find his footing because, you know, he was just partners with James Wan until James Wan like blew up in a big way. You know what I mean? Well, good for him. For also, you know, blowing up in his own way. Right. <laughs> it sounds like he just needed to leave the nest. Totally. Now it's just a matter of time until he's a <laughs> fucking Marvel jobber and he's going to be directing fucking oh. Doctor Strange 3 or whatever. You know, I sighed like, oh, but I fucking love Marvel movies. Like, n- no no shame. So good yeah, for I, him. I like Marvel movies, too. Get but... that paycheck. You get you get sucked up into the machine, and then you get ground up in the gears, and you die. That's what happens to these people. He's he's just gonna make remakes. That's all he's gonna do. <laughs> so reimaginings um, of uh, popular titles. I don't have t- too much more to say on this, but I did mm-hmm. want to um, point out since we hadn't really got to that yet, is that this was originally rated NC seventeen, and as we kind of talked about, the kills in this are pretty mellow compared to the rest of the franchise mm-hmm. i mean they're maybe they were intense for the time but they k- kind of launched the torture porn genre itself or subgenre or whatever mm-hmm. but i thought it was really interesting because i was like i wonder what they cut or if it was just like brutal or longer or what do you guys think about that i think there's probably like an unrated version of it right that they they probably just had to trim some of the gore out of it um it does like you said it does seem weird because it, it kind of seems tame at least compared to the movies that came after so right even I'm, saw two saw two is wild and that was only like what a year or two later mm-hmm. well these I mean, are the movies that push the boundaries for ratings i'm assuming mm-hmm. they were the ones who you know made the new r a standard <laughs> Right, for the that kind that of hyper realistic violence. And not only that, but there was also uh not to insinuate that the MPAA is is corrupt, but they it's are. corrupt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's probably some I think money. we're all on the same page on that. <laughs> you know, once the first saw blew up, I mean the other ones were huge money makers too. So, you know. Lionsgate oh, was yeah. definitely pumping uh, some money. You scratch throwing some bones at uh, <laughs> you know whoever. Uh, <laughs> we said it here first and foremost. Bold statement. MPA sucks. Are huge. They suck. They suck. R- fat, fat cock. You tell. No questions. Us. No comments. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't have anything else to say about Saw. Anything else you guys want to mention before we move on to Cube? None for me. Cool. All right. What are you guys uh, going with uh, for star ratings? Uh, I'm at a four now. I feel like that's pretty generous, but since I was at a five, four seems apt for now. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's 3.5 for me. Hmm. I gave it a three. 
Where's your nostalgia I, bump, Paris? Come on. Well, so here's the she thing. She was 12, I, Travis. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so that's part of it, I think, is like my nostalgia bump is very faded memories. And I like didn't watch this every year. Haven't seen it a long time. I was re... The problem is, is kind of like what Matt was talking about in the very beginning. I was very excited to rewatch this movie like that's why it was one of my picks like i was like this movie is gonna rule i'm so excited i remember it being awesome and then it didn't live up to that hype which i think bumped it down a little bit for me but it's still a solid movie it's a good rewatch maybe if people are over you know you want to put something on and people go oh i remember that you can tune into it out like it's a it's a it's a solid three maybe a 3.5 but i'm going with a three Cool. That was fair. Fair. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move on to part two of the double feature. We're going to be talking Cube. Plot synopsis is six complete strangers with widely varying personalities are involuntarily placed in an endless maze containing deadly traps. The film is directed by Vincenzo Natali. Uh, stars a bunch of jabronis. I'm not even going to bother. Um, so cube. Damn, you can tell just from the uh the synopsis what the comparisons are. You know the parallels, deadly traps, complete strangers. You know having to escape. So one room, very uh yeah, kind of well yeah, one very one big rectangular, cubular, totally cubular room. Totally um, cubular. <laughs> Um, so I had seen this movie before, um, Paris, you, you me had too. not, right? Was this the first watch for you? This was the first watch for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Travis, you had seen it, uh, back in the day. Like how, how far removed are you from your cube view? Cube view. Um, interesting. So I originally logged it as if, so when I looked at my rating, the, the last episode, I had it at 4.5. Now I'm looking at my diary. First time I logged it was October 2012, four stars. So I must have done a little editing and bumped it up to a 4.5 after that for some odd reason. Huh. Don't <laughs> ask me why. Just but a uh, little almost, bit of tinkering uh, there. Almost 10 years now since I've watched it. That's probably around the time that I saw it too. I mean, I can't recall specifically... It might have actually been a little earlier than that. I think I might have seen Cube and Cube 2 like late high school, maybe. I can't recall. Late 2000s, early 2010s would have been when I first saw it. Yeah, I probably heard of it like early 2000s, but then um, I had a friend at work who was uh, championing it as like an underseen, you know, like smaller movie, and they let me borrow their DVD of it. And um, at the time, I thought it was a great little low budget indie genre movie um now if we're uh talking initial impressions mm-hmm. uh i still think it's pretty good but there's definitely some issues with it um mainly the acting and i also feel like the ending's kind of a wet noodle but i do yeah. think the uh the premise is cool and just like the um not like the innovativeness of it, but just like how the director basically uh, needed to come up with an idea that he could make a movie 
you know, with. Um, but he had to like have all these constraints. So it was almost like he worked this movie from the constraints he had rather than like, mm. you know, having the movie in mind first. So I do think that's a cool like idea or story, especially for like a jumping off point for someone's career. And I do think given all the constraints, it's like, it's pretty well done. Um, just like the mystery of it. And um, even though it is a one location, you have like five different characters who are, you know, pretty different from one another and all the different traps along the ways. And even just like the coloring of the rooms, I think helps um, like break up the monotony of just being in like a closed Mm -hmm. box. So yeah, I think it's like, you know, for a first time indie movie, it's, it's better than average. But if you were going to like compare it to every other movie, then there are some problems with it. But still, overall, good movie. Cool. Okay. Paris, you want me to go next or you want to go? Mm, uh, you can go next. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I felt similarly on a rewatch to my first watch. It is really cool conceptually. Um, like you were uh, getting at Travis, like they get a lot of mileage out of the conceit and basically, you know, the idea of the film is that it's like this huge kind of labyrinth of interchanging rooms. Right. And they like, you, you get this sense of scale and in reality, I would imagine they only built the one cube (laughs) <laughs> and they just light it differently, right? And so, edit it yeah, together. That's, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They actually tried, uh, they had built other rooms, um, but the panels weren't sliding across correctly. So they ended up choosing, just using one room and lighting them differently. And that's so, that's so cool, right? Because you really do get the sense that they're like trapped in this massive maze, right? That part really comes across. So I think conceptually, like the the weird kind of sci-fi horror concept still works. I think it's a really rad idea for a movie. Where it starts to fall apart is in the script. So it is six strangers with wildly different backgrounds, but they're all kind Mm -hmm. of caricatures. And they're bad actors on top Mm. of that. Particularly... The bad guy, I guess we'll call him, uh, Quentin, he was mm. rough. Anytime he <laughs> talked for more than two seconds, I wanted to die. He talked so much bad. and should have talked zero much. Like, and he's uh, just, uh, his, his character is so annoying. I mean, he does have a turn because he's kind of the like hero of the group early on right so the fact that he ultimately yeah, becomes but the bad he, guy as soon as he said he was a cop i was like don't no trust good. him <laughs> and then it turns out plot twist <laughs> what we all knew turns out he's a bad person mm-hmm. but and you know it's like every like 
I get that they kind of lean into this in the script, but they they never really have a reason for it. So the fact that they all have different backgrounds, right? And they kind of mm-hmm. allude to the idea of like, why are we here? There should there's a reason why we're all here. Like we all have a purpose. We all, you know, right. we're all different pieces in this puzzle. So it's like uh, the the nerdy girl with the glasses. She's just like a college student and she's just like a fucking like math whiz and she can like crack all these codes. It's oh like, okay, God. yeah, that's convenient. Yeah. Just so no, I wanted to prime numbers. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys about this <laughs> even before I like, I haven't done my initial impression, but I really wanted to touch on this to me. It felt like they were all pieces of a puzzle. There were lots of different people, probably even more people than what we saw, right? Because it's so massive. Sure. There's likely was people that were in there that we didn't see. I got the vibe that if every, like everyone brought a skill to the table, that you would not be able to escape without utilizing everyone's skills, which we kind of see through the movie. Mm-hmm. But then... It's sort of like what you're talking about where it really falls apart is the when it tries to get into the explanation of the cube and they're like, it exists because it can. And I wanted to shoot myself in the head. That was, yeah, you're talking about uh, like the guy with like the uh, the contracting background where he was just like, this is just like uh uh, that built the cube mm-hmm. right government excess that just like it just it just happened it just got you know it just they literally don't even say government they just right. it and this is where it really dates itself because it feels very gen x very mid to late 90s very like you know government waste and we're all just cogs in a machine wasting our lives it felt and i know this sounds kind of insane it reminded me of office space where I know this. I know, I know, I know, but let me, Uh so office space has a similar vibe of we're cogs in the machine. We're all just working for the man. We hate what we do. You know, let's, this is the only, you know, path for, for people who want to try to quote have a career in office whatever so like what is there else like there's nothing else like kind of this existential dread feeling and it reminded me of that because watching that now feel it feels so dated and so silly office space you mean office space and kind of the the philosophy of this movie where it's like it exists just to exist and and it it you know it doesn't need a reason and there's no one creating it we're all creating it together and no one thought to question it. like that's when the movie lost me i was very engaged despite the poor acting despite you know some flaws in the script up to that point i was super engaged and when they started to try to explain why and we're just like shrug you know but but in a very gen x fuck the system existential way it felt cheesy it felt privileged it felt super on the nose while also like ignoring i i don't know it just kind of like office space it feels like it didn't 
age as well. Not to say that there's not a lot of cool stuff in this movie. I think conceptually it's really cool. Visually it's really cool. You really do feel, like you said, like it's this massive space. They only use one room. It actually only takes place in one room, which I loved. But that was where I think this movie would have been a lot better for me if it hadn't gone into that whole kind of bullshit philosophical explanation a little bit you know what i mean mm-hmm. but i to, uh, to be fair the movie doesn't explicitly answer any of those questions it's more so just like kind of uh pontificating on the part of the characters like it's pretty exposition heavy you know like different characters have mm. different interpretations of what it might be and what you're getting at is the most like cringy one is that guy who kind of has this. I mean, I, I totally get where you're drawing the office space comparisons from in that it's like a, it's like something that like a, like a Gen X, like a, like burnout slacker stoner dude, you know, it, it's like, um, uh, like a, a nihilistic, like a like a dumb a dummies like a nihilism. privileged nihilist. It's very privileged nihilism. Right. You know I mean? It's like oh, it's just you know, nothing it's just matters wasteful. because what's the point? Yeah. yeah. No, totally. <laughs> just a, it's just a vibe. You know what I mean? Very, which is very very Gen X. Not saying everyone of that uh, generation is like that, but that's very Gen X to me. It's very of that. So like, it totally makes sense that it would have been groundbreaking and had great reception at that time it's just looking at it through a 2021 lens where i hadn't seen it before so i'm only really looking at it through this lens i was like kind of like okay like jack off hands in your general direction (laughs) well so cube cube is one of those movies that i think can safely we can safely say it's a cult film um it's not really at least as far as I'm concerned, it, it never really made its way into the mainstream. Um, mm-hmm. Most people probably don't know what Cube is, right? If you ask them, pretty much anyone right. is at least familiar right. with Saw. Cube, I think mm-hmm. we can safely say is is a cult film. Um, and some people really, really do love this movie, but it's just, I don't know. It's just too stiff and kind of, you know, the bad acting and the bad dialogue, it's not the kind of bad acting and bad dialogue that I like where it's like so bad it's funny. It's never funny. Like they're just bad actors in this movie. You know what I mean? Like it never made me laugh except there was one scene in particular with Quentin kind of when he uh, he has his heel turn and he really starts to lose his mind. <laughs> so <laughs> that's he, when I was like, there, so not to say, so my... <laughs> That actually was when I, I I sort of lost interest in the movie because like he's sort of you, you he starts off as you think he's going to be kind of the hero, the leader, the, the guy. He's slowly losing his mind, which is very understandable considering they're all probably losing their minds, you know, as I would as well as I'm sure we all would in this mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. But his turn is so sudden. He goes from actively voluntarily like uh what do you call it as a as an automatic subconscious response acts in a heroic way and then almost immediately is like that you can you can physically see the change in his face and he's like nah and then turns into a bad guy and i'm like 
he was turning into uh you know not a hero an antagonist as the story went on but to have it happen so drastically and so suddenly in one moment felt like bad writing at best Mm -hmm. totally but i mean can you imagine like this movie being like evaluated by like gen z and the fact that you have like this cop the, who starts oh off as the hero and then it turns out, oh, he's an abuser and a psychopath. And, how and he's much a cop. They make fun, what do you know? <laughs> how much they make fun of the person with the disability. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was probably the hardest part for me. And I thought the part that aged the worst. And I know that's intentional. But oof, it like hurt my heart to watch but those parts. Like ugh. He is also the genius of the group. So... Right. That's very that's very much an outdated trope though. Like the the handicapped savant trope. No the way. rain man. The yeah, the idiot just savant that literally. Shit. And you loved it, Matt. <laughs> what pulled that shit? <laughs> well, I guess it's not the same thing necessarily, but uh what's his face? Jacob Tremblay's character in uh, the new Predator. He's like what? some genius autistic oh, no, kid, right? Matt. Jacob Tremblay is in The Predator? Oh, my God. You loved that movie, and you don't yeah, even remember dude, him being in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't don't seen it. when he puts on so... the Predator helmet? Like in... Oh, my God. Dude, I don't and remember anything town. about that fucking oh my movie. God. Matt, <laughs> Pretty sure Matt, you this gave is, it like a this four. This is classic. <laughs> He's like, I fucking love that movie. I remember zero minutes of it. It I was great. It was a killer movie. Never mind. Best Predator sequel. <laughs> no, but Travis, I agree with oh, you. Matt, it you is, gave it, it a three is... and a half. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, but you're right. It is. It's. It's a trope that's still used. But Matt, you're also right that it's very outdated, and yeah. very like if we're talking about like a Gen Z lens, like oh my god, like talk about like that, and that's part of why I was like, it was. Those parts made me cringe in a very sad way. Mm-hmm. And, like, think about the fact that, like, that was probably... I don't know. Because I was having a hard time with that. And Kurt brought up the fact that, like, this came out in, what, 97? Yes. Mm-hmm. Kurt brought up the fact that, like, at that time, that was probably pretty accurate for how people of all different walks of life would treat this person who has a disability. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's it's that's why it feels weird, you know, watching it now. But those moments, like, yeah, they're kind of cringy and they're, you know, it's kind of difficult to watch. But that was very much, um, you know, one, the trope was very prevalent mm-hmm. in movies from this era. And two, that was just, it was still socially acceptable at that time to, you know, uh, there were certain words that were used that are no longer okay to use. And just mm-hmm. like the general way that we thought about and treated individuals <laughs> who have mental handicaps was right. definitely, it was a different um, time. <laughs> so actually that's the other part of it is they talk about him having a mental handicap and that's no longer uh, the preferred nomenclature. It's um person with a disability or person with a mental disability. Mm-hmm. Right, but they one when they're being nice in the movie, we'll call it when they're trying to be nice in the movie. Right, I think it's the doctor who who what says he's handicapped, right? The well, and that was and that was the that was the verbiage of the time, right? Yes. It's been 
over 20 years or what 23 years now i guess probably since, since the is that release, right yeah, yeah 23 years since the release stuff changes that was actually the preferred terms at the time it's no longer right. i was just saying we should be using modern verbiage <laughs> sure no kind of totally. like with the romani woman we you know we are trying to be better <laughs> trying to do better <laughs> <laughs> no gypsy slurs on this podcast mm. no more um, yeah i yeah i mean the uh <laughs> what what term am i supposed to use parents? uh person with was, a disability okay or... so person with a disability stuff aside i think you guys are being a little too harsh on this movie and focusing more on the bad than the good well, okay, you know, but, but sure, it's, I, think I guess that's it's fair. easier and more interesting to talk about. No, no, Travis, uh, I think you have a good point. I, when I think, and we'll get to that in star ratings maybe a little bit, this went down a full star for me. It's been, you know, peek behind the curtain. It's been a little bit. It's been a week or two since I watched it, however mm -hmm. long it's been. I think like two weeks. Uh, it's gone down a full star rating for me since then. Jeez, and just, I think just sitting just, with it, really? Yeah, I think the vibe I got immediately after watching the movie was, this is so original. I, 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 you know, it had its flaws, but I enjoyed it. And actually, same thing with Saw is like, I think the, the flaws came more prominent after sitting with it for a bit. Yeah, and I said this earlier, but I do think both movies benefit from first-time watches just because you don't know the mystery. And that is, I think, like the biggest enjoyment out of both of them is just, you know, going through it with the movie. Um, but yeah, I think if you view both movies as just like um, jumping off points for a career, they're pretty solid. I think Saw is a little bit better and more iconic than this movie. Um, but yeah, both definitely have their their flaws. See, my thing on, on the on the rewatch is that while I did find it entertaining and I do think it's it's pretty cool conceptually, there really aren't like from like a horror perspective, there's what, like three kills? In the movie, like tr where the know, traps man. actually well, come into the play. The kills were that's sick. There's not enough of them though. There's like two. The, that's okay. Kills. We that's haven't <laughs> we haven't talked about this yet, but the first there's literally no dialogue until minute four twenty, oh, aka four twenty. Blaze it. Fuck yeah. And and that has the coolest kill. I mean, the CGI doesn't quite hold up, but. Really, the coolest kill of the bad, whole movie, bad. when that man is Swiss cheesed, yeah, by those wires or lasers or whatever it was. Holy shit! What a great introduction to a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like totally. that got me. Honestly, though, that was the coolest kill of the movie, and I think that got me too hyped because then the rest <laughs> of the movie didn't quite live up to that what would you Matt? you called it the prologue i think that didn't quite live up to the prologue for me yeah you open the movie so strong with this awesome kill and you're like hell yeah now we're talking and then the other the only other cool kill in the movie is like the acid face scene you know where oh, the guy that like, shit face, like, was in. insane that was like this like oh, yeah. 20 minutes into the movie and then that's it 
the rest of the there really aren't any like room kills after that other than the something like chokes right like the air there's no air the air is poisonous or something but they end up being fine like yeah um, I, I just feel like this movie it's like you have to like forgive it due to its budget but if you were to like try and take this movie or this script and make something big budget out of it or you know fix try and fix the problems it has then it there's like no point to do the movie then you know what i mean like you might as well just do a different movie than this whole cube idea (laughs) i think it wouldn't be as good with a bigger budget like i kind of like maybe they could have had but, you know, I mean, at the time, the CGI was probably great. It just has not aged that great. But, like, honestly, the whole one-room thing, the one-room play of it all, like, we talked about this a bit when you we were talking about Saw, but I love that. I'm a really big fan of same location for these characters, it's essentially same timeline. Like, I really enjoy movies like that. I find that a really interesting concept. And then the greater concept of these people are stuck in the cube. You don't know why. You never really find out why. Like, there's no real answer. I find it really interesting. But I think just... And I think, like, Travis, like you said, would the execution have benefited from more money? Almost certainly no. I just think the execution wasn't done that well. Mm -hmm. See, I, I, I see your cube wouldn't have been better with a bigger budget and i raise you cube two hypercube the superior so i haven't seen i haven't seen cube two don't plan on it either but honestly like i was like why honest after watching this movie i felt satisfied in the cube universe why would i watch another movie of the same thing happening it just felt silly it's just a better movie, dog. That's why. Why watch Saw Two if it's just a rehash of the first one? <laughs> but it's, it's but better. Saw Two is not. But Saw Two is not a rehash of the first one. It's very different. How do you know like, Cube Two is just a rehash of the first Cube? You haven't seen it because you just said that. Hey, well, don't forget about. <laughs> don't forget about Cube Zero now. See, I have not seen Cube Zero. Oh, you is actually have prequel? seen Cube Two, Matt. Yes, I've seen Cube 2. Oh, my God. I'm not talking out of my (laughs) asshole. How embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) No, Cube 2 rules. How embarrassing for you. From what I've heard, okay, so. um, He's lying. (laughs) No, um, my friend Jessica, friend of the show, Jess, um, she actually said, oh, I watched the Cube movie. She was like, oh, yeah, Cube 2 rules. And I was like, oh, no, we watched the regular Cube. And she was like, oh, yeah, that one's fine. But, like, Cube 2 rules. And I was like, I guess I have to watch the second Cube movie now? Was she being sincere? Yes. She's also, she loves horror, but she likes, like, she also likes campy or shitty movies like I do. So (laughs) She is a trash champion. A champion (laughs) of trash. She loves trash. So I feel like, but I feel like in the same vein of Cube, cube like should we have watched cube 2 matt well like i said i mean subscribe to the patreon for saw 2 <laughs> cube 2 hypercube uh no i do not think get we hyped should have... for sequels pa- patreon <laughs> no i don't i do not think we should have watched cube 2 over cube Is 1 this... um 
But I remember liking, because I saw Cube and Cube 2 relatively close together whenever I did see them. And I remember enjoying Cube 2 more at the time. I thought okay. it was more fun. Hold right, the phone. Fair Director of Cube 2 was the cinematographer for Pulp Fiction, American Psycho, Reservoir Dogs, and a few other popular movies. That is just blowing mm. my mind. So, so Quentin Tarantino's cinematographer directed Cube Two. Mm-hmm. You that's, can tell. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> was like, was like, our boy QT. Was he like a producer? No. Mm, well, I think he would. I, he probably just did it for the paycheck. Is my guess. Because um, he like he didn't like write the script or anything. Andre Sekula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four different writers, and he is not one of them. But Four he is different the writers. That's usually Matt, not a, I mean, Matt and Travis. It's usually <laughs> the sign of a not good movie. That is correct. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, well, now I'm curious since. Uh, you and Paris's friend are saying it rules, and it was directed by the cinematographer of uh, Pulp Fiction. That is noteworthy. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, Stay tuned. We might be doing Cube 2 later in the podcast. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Definitely Patreon content. So Cube, you know, it's cool. Didn't love it. Um, you know, was not as fun as I maybe hoped, but conceptually it's a pretty cool idea for a movie. And the fact that they were able to do what they did with those budget constraints, um, it's admirable. But yep. overall, didn't love it. Some people fucking cream their jeans over it, over Cube, and uh, I'm just not there, you know? It's not trashy enough um, for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. And that was the thing. It really rode that line. And it didn't quite cross over into enough trash, gold camp, whatever you want to call it. Um, I did want to note, though, that something interesting that I found when I was researching. um, All of the characters in Cube are named after uh, pretty prominent prisons. And Kazan, uh, the person with the uh, disability, is named after a psychiatric hospital prison that apparently existed in the mid mid 20th century and was super fucked up so i thought that that was just a i fun can tidbit. only imagine that's uh that's an interesting little tidbit i hadn't even noticed that but yeah quentin was that san quentin state penitentiary i'm assuming mm-hmm. i'm Holloway. gonna go with yes <laughs> Now I'm trying to like I'm looking at the characters' names and well, it's interesting because this I, is a Canadian this is a Canadian production. So, see, and I'm pretty I sure uh, Wikipedia tells you every uh, prison that's reference or that is a reference. I'm uh, pretty so. sure Wikipedia tells you everything that's ever referenced ever in the world. There's God, probably there's probably footnotes in the cube wikipedia page the link <laughs> to the prisons <laughs> it's all built in there yeah. wikipedia doing god's work oh also um did you guys know that um a japanese remake of cube the original cube is happening this october this year very timely oh, everything literally is timely. just heard about that this morning 
going to be I amazing. did not hear about that, but uh, we got to review it. <laughs> <laughs> got to work it into one of these double features. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Should be bad. Sweet. All right. Any know. other thoughts on uh, on Cube? Could be huge. Uh, no more thoughts from me. I have one more thought, and that is, um, I think it's really interesting that Cube was shot in only twenty days, and which kind of I feel like similar to Saw kind of explains some of the. I feel like that, that explains some of the dialogue issues, if anything. But Saw was shot in only 18 days. So these were both shot in less than three weeks of her full-length movie, which is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I mean, when you're just working with, like, a mostly single locations, like, I'm sure that was a uh, that's a budgetary concern, too, as you try to get as much filming in in a short amount of time as possible because it uh, ends up costing less. The longer you take to film, the more it's right. going to cost you. So Interesting. Um, sorry to go back to the Cube remake, but uh, it was shot in October and November of last year. So COVID actually uh, was the one who brought us a Cube remake, the one that no one wow. asked for. I mean, I <laughs> guess that makes sense <laughs> considering... We're all yeah. inside and, you know, we feel trapped in the same room and you, you go to different rooms and it's all the fucking same and you're with oh, the same man. people and you're just trying to fucking escape and you can't go outside. And there's but there, it's fine. It's everywhere. fine. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to solve <laughs> math and you're like, I forgot all math that I've ever known forever. <laughs> Cool beans. All right. You guys ready to drop stars? Let's do it. All right. Um, Cube, I'm going with three stars. I went with 3.5 this time around. Damn. Started a four. Secretly uh, revisionist history. Bumped it up to a (laughs) 4.5 at some point. And then down to a (laughs) (laughs) 3.5. Love it. What about you, Paris? Um, I went with a 2.5. 2.5? Yeah. I'm Man. not joking. This went down a full star for me between when I, because I originally will watch something, I'll rate it and make notes and stuff. I originally rated it like, I was like, mm, maybe 3, 3.5, but I was leading toward 3.5. I think it really went down for me on a rewatch. Um, other than that thing that I said at the end where it kind of had the COVID parallel, I just didn't connect to the movie very much mm-hmm. you know sure dang you're harsh on these two usually uh you come out higher than we do on, on a lot of these that's yeah. not always the case but. i think honestly <laughs> these were my picks and i was very excited to watch them and i think i was maybe too hyped up <laughs> and they disappointed me so i punished them for it oh brutal poor cube so that's fine so i'll be fine poor cube though Okay. All right. Yeah, Saw has enough. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this double feature. It's Travis's turn next. And uh, Paris and I, we don't know the picks yet. So I'm, I'm so excited. I'm dying yeah. to know. What do you got for us, Travis? All right. I got a fun one for us. It's uh, the theme is beach horror. If I come up with a better little 
tagline for the double feature, I'll let you know. But Be- beach horror, like maybe or life is a beach. Beach horror. Beach. Oh, Death okay. is a beach. Excuse me. Beach, I don't beach emphasize. Whore? No, I don't beach emphasize. Whore. Bitch. Horror what I'm hearing is bitch whore. <laughs> <laughs> All I can hear is bitch whore. <laughs> is that not what we're doing? <laughs> Wait. So Travis. <laughs> it's a play it, it, sure it's a play on words i don't <laughs> so is it or is it are you trying to say beach horror is that what you're trying to say yeah i know when i say when i say horror travis films, always I say says horror. horror i don't say Matt, horror there's I no point in doing the extra er i'm a lazy speaker okay just <laughs> no 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 travis i also eat my r's <laughs> i also do that and like Matt's just being a dick now. No, no, no. You're taking a no. I'm not making yeah. fun of Travis. Yeah. Yeah. We like to have fun with our themes and our titles. So I was just clarifying that he was It's wasn't. bitch whore. It's <laughs> bitch whore. <laughs> call it what you want to call it. I don't give a fuck. All right. Be- beach horror. Let's, uh, what are whore. the picks? Oh, I didn't even realize that uh, old is uh, right on the horizon. M. Night's new movie, and you could uh, classify Ooh, that, that as beach horror. Beach horror, if I've ever seen it. Wow. All right. All right. So, my beach horror double feature for y'all is Nightmare Beach. You ever heard of this? Never heard of it. I'm Absolutely excited, though. not. Slasher from 1989. Looks like it's got a pretty cool. Uh, biker killer and uh it's streaming on canopy at the moment uh, one more time night nightmare beach nightmare beach yes i'm excited then, for this biker killer i don't know how i heard of this one but um it's streaming it's 90 minutes and it fits nicely with this next movie uh piranha 3d another beach horror N- Wait, wait. Do we have to get 3D glasses for this? 3D no. TV. Do I have to upgrade my TV? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we're going to be doing the 2D version of Piranha 3D. But uh, it is Piranha 3D. This Piranha is 3D 2D. Alexander uh, Aja flick, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Have you guys okay. ever seen that? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Matt. It's huge. Well, um, with, you know, it being uh, blazing outside, summer just starting, old coming out in uh, less than a month, seemed like a perfect time to do some beach horror. Travis, do you even realize who directed Nightmare Beach? No. Is it the guy from Cannibal? For Ox. For Ox? Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I only God. guessed that because Travis. of the fucking name. Let's go. Another Travis. connection. Let's go. Oh, my God. The worst of the two cannibal movies we watched. Jesus, you guys. And, what are you doing to me? And did you catch where it's set? No. Is it Florida. the Amazon? Florida. Oh. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Spring break, baby. Wait. Where can we watch Piranha 3D 2D, though? Uh, I will make it available to you guys. I'm going to get it on my voodoo. Oh, hell yeah. So check the show notes for uh, Travis's uh, voodoo login information. (laughs) (laughs) We can all watch it together. When he said you guys, he meant all the listeners. (laughs) Subscribe to the Patreon and you get access to Travis's uh, voodoo account. Only $300 per month per person. Subscribe to the Patreon. 
Hey, there's a lot of good stuff on there. You really can't. You really can't go wrong for only three hundred dollars a month. <laughs> the amount of <laughs> only content you're getting access to per month. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool all right well i'm excited so we'll be uh digging into those flicks coming up next time thank you everybody for listening gonna give another shout out to kurt morin for providing our original cinephile or not cinephiles digest jesus our original the original digest theme song thank you kurt you're the best go ahead and check the show notes for a link to kurt's website so you can check out more of his work Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back. Stay spooky. Stay scared. And stay stupid.